I'm I'm reading this and I'm going, oh my gosh, this is like, this is exactly what I was looking for. This makes sense. Like mm. I understand now why I'm sick. And I also understand like the way I was living was killing me, mm -hmm. right? I have a part to play in my disease and that's empowering, right? I mean, anybody who's listening to this, who's an entrepreneur knows like you, you, you have to take responsibility for your situation, right? Yep, exactly. like, and the reality of life is that wherever you are right now is the result of the decisions you've made. Mm -hmm. But people don't like that because they think you're blaming the victim. Mm -hmm. when you talk that way, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, it's empowering. It's empowering to say, wait a second, this is my fault. If, if this is my fault, right? Then that means I can change my life. If I contributed to my disease, then I, maybe I can contribute to my health <laughs> and healing. <laughs>
professional real estate investors, which were kind of like two in my mind at the time, they're just kind of like these just freewheeling cowboys, you know, like, <laughs> and uh, just like, you know, wore whatever they wanted, did whatever they wanted. And I thought, man, that sounds awesome. Like, I want to do that. And uh, so we started this group and he really de deserves all the credit because he really put in all the work and to grow this group. But uh, I started, you know, we both read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Robert Allen books and stuff like that. So we start meeting once a month. He starts running ads in the newspaper. This, the group starts growing. This went from four to eight, to 15 to, you know, 20 something. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, we need to rent a space. Perkins, uh, you know, like this restaurant we were meeting at, this is mm -hmm. too small. And so we started renting spaces and then, you know, it just kept growing. And I was able to uh, meet and be mentored by, uh, you know, really three local real estate investors that were, you know, decades ahead of me. And that was really um, just, a, just a huge um, opportunity and, and turning point in my life and my career. Because I had access to these guys who had all the answers, right? And for every question I had, <laughs> how do I, you know, X, call, you know, Ray or Arnold or uh, Richard. So, <clears throat> so I had some mentors that took me under their wing and, and were just so generous with their time and helped me uh, get started buying uh, rental property. So I started buying houses in t t 2002. And at that time, <laughs> excuse me, the... Uh, the lending market was <laughs> liberal <laughs> and you know all you needed was a you know a driver's license right and banks yep. are just throwing money at you and so as soon as i learned this like figured out like oh my gosh like it's so easy to borrow money to buy uh, a rental property uh, i just went nuts and bought as many as i could as fast as i could so like mm -hmm. the first year in business i bought like 17 and then the next year i bought 16 or 17 and so by that, the end of that year, uh, you know, I, I had like 34, 35 properties mm -hmm. and was just like, man, I'm just, look at me. But also during that time, I started having abdominal pain. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I thought maybe I had an ulcer or something. I mean, I was running, I was going 90 miles an hour. I was renovating houses, managing crews, like, you know, trying to lease to tenants. I was like doing everything myself pretty much. And dealing with all the stresses and not taking care of myself. And um, so uh, uh, these abdominal pains would kind of come and go. And they were kind of weird. I'd never felt anything like that before. And I assumed that, you know, they would probably go away or whatever, but they didn't. They got progressively worse. And then toward the end of 2003 in the fall, uh, or really in late 2003, actually, in December, I had a colonoscopy. Hmm. And... Uh, when I woke up after the procedure, they said, uh, we've got bad news. You've got a golf ball sized tumor oh, in wow. your colon. And the colon is the large intestine for anybody that doesn't know what a colon is yeah. <laughs> besides <laughs> the punctuation mark. So I, uh, you know, they're like, we took a biopsy. We're going to send it to the lab and we'll call you as soon as we find out. Uh, it, hopefully it's not cancer. Mm -hmm. And I got the call like the next day or the day after. And, they said, you have colon cancer. Hmm. And, how, and how, how, how old were you at this point? I was 26. 26. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, man, you know, like that, you know, it's like in that moment, really your life changes forever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's not a whole lot of things that happen to us in life that really change our life that dramatically. Yeah. And um, cancer diagnosis is definitely one of them. 
because all of a sudden there's a time stamp, like there's an expiration date mm. on your life. You don't know exactly when it is, but it's like, oh, like you have a life-threatening disease. Yeah. Yep. A disease that is likely to kill you, you know, uh, soon, right? Sooner rather than later mm. at 26. And so um, they said, what they told me is what they tell every cancer patient, you know, like we got to get you into surgery right away. We got to get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you. And they, they rush patients into treatment before they understand what's going on, before they even understand their disease, before they have time to think about their life and what may be causing their disease. And so, you know, I was like a typical cancer patient, patient and I said, uh, you know, okay, like whatever you say, you know, this was two days before Christmas. So I was like, Ugh, can we, is there any way that I cannot be in the hospital on Christmas? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. So I went in on December 30th. They cut out a third of my large intestine. Hmm. The tumor was in that area. They realized uh, they took out a bunch of lymph nodes and stuff. And when I woke up from surgery, they said, well, it's worse than we thought. You are stage 3C. Oh, my gosh. So that's like one click away from stage 4. So it was spreading. It was on its way to my liver. And they said, look, because you're stage 3, you know, it because it left the primary tumor site, you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy, if, you know, and hope, you know, hopefully we can uh, kill the remaining cancer cells in your body, but there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things kind of just were getting progressively worse. Um, the out, my outlook and my prospects and all that. So a couple things, a couple weird things happened in the hospital. The first one was, the very first meal that they served me after cutting out a third of my large intestines was a sloppy Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know is one of your favorite foods, Trevor. <laughs> oh, totally, man. Once a week, at least once a week. You love sloppy Joe. And it's definitely the first thing I think of when I think of health food too. Yeah. yeah. It's the first thing you think of when you think of health food. It's the first thing you think of anytime you're hungry. You yeah. Know, it's always like, Sloppy Joe, that's what I want right now. So the, the funny thing about Sloppy Joe is like, you know, the only place you can get a Sloppy Joe, you can't even get them in restaurants, they don't sell them. No. The only place you can get them is like summer camp, like the military, prison. <laughs> and apparently in hospitals, if yeah. you have cancer. Uh-huh. And so... And the, and the irony, I mean, just as if that wasn't bad enough, the irony is, you know, Sloppy Joe's is ground up typically like beef or whatever, like ground yep. up beef and some sauce. And uh, red meat is a group two human carcinogen, mm. it's, uh, according to the World Health Organization. So there's sufficient evidence linking red meat consumption, consumption to colon cancer. Mm. And it's like, let's give the guy with colon cancer food that is known to cause colon cancers brilliant so, so you so you say group two uh carcinogen so what so people have context how does that go down is there a group one group two, yeah group, group one is the highest level of evidence okay and group two is right under that okay and okay. so group one uh would be cigarettes mm. uh also in group one are is bacon that's what you're saying at the mastermind man you uh you you squashed a lot of a lot of dreams for people when you said that <laughs> I, blew, I haven't ate hardly any bacon since you said that man i blew up some islands for sure <laughs> i'm sorry about that but it's true uh bacon sausage hot dogs you know ham deli meats processed meats mm-hmm. 
are a group one human carcinogen and you don't get to group one unless you have a mound, mounds of evidence mm -hmm. and uh, cigarettes, arsenic, formaldehyde, you know, mercury, bacon, yep. right? They're all group one. And then group two is one step below, which means there's sufficient evidence that it's a probable human carcinogen. Okay. Uh, and so anyway, so red meat's not, it's not great, uh, but bacon's worse. So I, uh, of course, I didn't know any of this, right? I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. I was just like, sloppy Joe, like, ugh, like, why? This is terrible. Like, why are they serving this to sick people? Mm. And then the next thing that happened in the hospital that was weird, it was the day they told me I could go home, which was a few days later, my surgeon came in to do his final check on me or whatever. And we were just talking about what was, you know, the next steps. Yeah. And I said, uh, hey, is there anything, or any foods I need to avoid Right. Cause I'm thinking like, I don't want to eat the wrong thing and mess up the surgery. Everything you eat's going through there. Right. Yeah. It's not mm -hmm. like elbow surgery. Like everything you eat is passing through this part of my body that they just, you know, took apart, sewed back together. Yeah. And he's like, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it. And I'm like, okay, like, all right. So, but in the, you know, the wheels are turning. I'm like, why, like, why is health food and nutrition not a part of healthcare? Yep. yep. Right? I just got a permission slip from my abdominal surgeon who I thought might have some expertise on gut health or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Permission slip to go home and eat whatever you want, including just drink, you know, drink beer is a joke, but it was him saying it didn't matter. Doesn't yep. matter what you eat. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, alcohol is known carcinogen as well. So it's mm -hmm. like such terrible advice. <laughs> so I, I go home and I'm recovering from surgery and I'm thinking about my life and my future and I'm thinking about chemotherapy. And frankly, I was, I was scared. Mm. Like I was scared of what it would do to me. I felt extremely vulnerable and my instincts and my intuition were telling me like, this is not for you. It doesn't mean it's not for, for every cancer patient. And I don't tell cancer patients not to do treatment. Yep. Um, but one of the things I talk about in great detail in the book is I help them understand the, the risks and benefits, mm -hmm. the perils and pitfalls of conventional medical treatment and especially cancer treatment, yep. because there are many. And the the biggest one of the biggest problems in the world of cancer is that like I said earlier, patients don't know what they're getting into, mm, yeah. right? And they have high hopes that are unrealistic. And uh, so I just want to educate people so they make a smart decision, they make the best decision for them, mm -hmm. right? And they don't, you know, just jump into something out of fear. Yeah. Yep. And I think, I think you probably understand this, um, but fear-based decisions are almost always the wrong decision, mm -hmm. right? irrational, impulsive, emotional decisions. Look, in real estate, I've, I've made many of those, right? You never buy a house that, because you love it. That's the worst reason to buy a house. It right? is, but bites you in the butt almost every time. Almost. Yeah, you buy a house or a property or whatever because the numbers make sense, Yeah. right? Because and, and, a part, the, and a part of that process, right? Like you, you have to weigh two sides of it, right? And, and, and I think that's one thing that I got out of your book in a big way is usually... Uh, patients, and, and in this case, cancer patients, but you can look at all kinds of other um, medical ailments, 
But in this case, cancer patients, they're only given one side. They're given, hey, here's your treatment plan. Yes, sir. I mean, not, they're not even saying yes or no. And, and one thing, in, and in your book that hit me too, was just the, the social influence around you. You know, your friends, your family, everyone's going, this is the path. Like, this is the path to do it. And if you don't do it, that's a death sentence. And, and that was something that hit, really hit me as I was reading through the book going, man, I can't imagine the decisions you are having to process in your mind of, here's the way that, that conventional wisdom says to go. All of your friends and family are saying, Chris, like, why aren't you doing this? You're crazy. And you're saying, I'm going to go over here. And I can only imagine what they were thinking that he's, he's basically, you know, creating his own death sentence when that's obviously not what happened. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Yeah. You just spoiled the story, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, it's true. That is what ended up happening. But it, it, there was, so I'm sitting there, you know, I'm thinking about everything and I, and again, my instincts, my intuition, my gut was just saying like, don't do this, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what else to do. I didn't yeah. have like an alternative plan. Right. Um, and so uh, my wife and I just prayed about it. You know, I was just like, God, help. Like, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, will you please show me? I just, it doesn't feel right. I don't know what to do. I just feel like this is it's just wrong for me. And, um, and you know, the idea of poisoning my way back to health mm. didn't mm. make sense. That's you know powerful I mean? right there. That's Yeah, that's really it's powerful. like, wait a second, I'm already sick. Like something is... I, I have some very simple like core beliefs. Mm -hmm. One of them is that we live in a cause and effect world. I yeah. think people agree with that. Yep. So I'm like, there's a cause like to my disease. I'm already sick. Like I want to build my body up. I don't want to break it down more. Mm. Right. Yep. So anyway, so I, I had, a, was having a hard time with that, you know, that, that particular, uh, the treatment that was that was being offered to me and so so i prayed about it and a couple of days later i got a book that was sent to me from a friend of my dad's who lived in alaska i'm in memphis this book shows up on my doorstep i start reading it the book, that book was called god's way to ultimate health cool so um as i start reading it and it's not one i really recommend now because sort of some of its information there's good and some of it's like i, I don't agree with but it was it, at that time at that moment like it was exactly what i needed the guy who wrote it had, uh, had discovered he had colon cancer back in like the 70s and had seen a bunch of people around him die of cancer treatment mm. and kind of made a decision like, oh, I don't want to do that. And happened to have a friend who was just a health nut who said, man, you need to go back to the Garden of Eden. That's what you need to do. You need to get mm. on, on a diet of raw fruits and vegetables only. Yep. Right. And you should probably drink a ton of trevor juice i mean carrot juice <laughs> i love it man right every day like 64 ounces of carrot juice every really day. yeah eight eight ounce servings of carrot huh. juice and so this this guy george malcolmus who wrote the book that's what he did and he in a year later he was well he didn't have surgery chemo radiation nothing his body healed mm -hmm. right so it's not about a miracle cure a magic bullet a quick fix lotion potion like it's not about any of that right it's not, it's about empowering your body to heal. Mm, yeah. And so that was his core message is like, you're sick because you've been poisoning and polluting your body. And it's mostly because of your diet, mm. uh, your lifestyle and environmental factors. Yep. Well, like I'm, I'm reading this and I'm going, oh my gosh, this is like, this is exactly what I was looking for. This makes sense. Like mm. I understand now why I'm sick. And I also understand like, 
the way I was living was killing me, mm -hmm. right? I have a part to play in my disease and that's empowering, right? I mean, anybody who's listening to this, who's an entrepreneur knows like you, you, you have to take responsibility for your situation, right? Yep, exactly. like, and the reality of life is that wherever you are right now is the result of the decisions you've made, mm -hmm. right? The vast majority of our, you know, life, uh, traje trajectory has to do with our own decisions. Sometimes other people's decisions affect us in a big way, but usually it's ours. Yep, exactly. And so, and even if you blame someone for messing up your life, it's all, you know, if you really analyze things, you can almost always see that you still had a part to play, you know? Oh, yeah. And so anyway, but people don't like that because they think you're blaming the victim. Mm -hmm. when you talk that way, right? But to me, it's empowering. It's empowering to say, wait a second, this is my fault. If, if this is my fault, right, then that means I can change my life. If I contributed to my disease, then I, maybe I can contribute to my health <laughs> and healing. Dude, that, that's, that's such a good way to look at it. Because when, when I hear that, um, what pops up in my mind is, is a lot of the stats that come out that, that link genes or your genetics to cancer. And I'm sure there's something there. You have, you have the stats, I'm sure. But it's almost like, if, if I assume that my genetics caused it, then therefore, I, I personally can't do something to then change it, then that's where the, the traditional, um, the, the traditional treatment methods come in, well, I can't do this, there's gotta be a magic thing that comes in here. But then like you said, if I at least have the hope that you know what, maybe this was part of my environment or something that I caused or my eating patterns or me not being physically active, I oh, man, I can change this. I can adjust it. Dude, that's, that's a powerful and powerful mind shift for people. Perfect, it. perfect interjection, man. Perfect mm -hmm. timing because you're absolutely right. So here's what happens. Cancer patients go to the doctor and the, the first question they all, almost all of them ask is like, why did I get cancer? What caused this? Yeah. And invariably most oncologists say, well, do you have a family history of cancer? Mm -hmm. if the answer is yes, then they'll say, well, it's probably genetic, it's hereditary. Oh. You know? uh, if you say no, they'll say, well, it still might be genetic or, or, or hereditary, mm -hmm. you know, or you know, it just may just be bad luck. Yeah. And you know yeah. what that does? That turns them into a powerless victim, mm. right? Mm. Yep. The underlying message is nothing you did contributed to your disease. Mm -hmm. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to help yourself except for show up for treatment. Yep. Right. And, and we hope. are your only hope. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in my opinion, this is like just borderline malpractice mm -hmm. because the genetic factor, only about 5% of cancers are genetic. Wow. wow. Which means up to 95% mm -hmm. of cancers are caused by three factors. D poor diet. Mm -hmm lifestyle choices, which I'll get into, and environmental factors. Okay. Right. Environmental factors are pretty easy. Everybody gets it. There's there's toxins in our environment, right? Mm -hmm. When you're if you're in the real estate business, you're around a lot of toxic stuff. Oh yeah. The, the mold, you know, varnishes, we were talking about it right before mold. this call. Yeah. 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 Mold, varnishes, fumes, construction materials, debris, dirt, like soot, like, you know, if you work in a factory, if you're a hairdresser, you're breathing in all these fumes where uh, most of our homes are full, indoor air is like something like five times more polluted than out mm. outdoor air because of all the off-gassing from mm. furniture, carpets, varnishes, like cleaning products, personal body care products, 
air fresheners, like it's all toxic chemical crap. Yeah. You know? yep. We don't realize like, but your body is taking this stuff in every day and it's mm-hmm. all mixing together in this synergistic toxicity. So environmental factors are legit. And then you've got air pollution, water pollution and stuff like that. So um, those are factors that we have a lot of control over, but to some degree we don't. Like you can't control air pollution. You should get an air purifier for your home though, for your bedroom gotcha, and a water purifier for your drinking water. So <clears throat> I'm digressing a little bit, but so diet, lifestyle, and environment, those are the three main causes of cancer, but there's an underlying cause that's difficult to measure, but it's absolutely real. And that's stress mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. stress suppresses your immune system. Okay. And if you're in high stress for year, year after year after year, you are in a state of immunosuppression. Mm-hmm. And you eventually, uh, stress does two things. It promotes inflammation and it suppresses immunity. And so over time, what happens is your body gradually degrades and it shifts from a, an environment where cancer cells cannot thrive mm-hmm. to an environment where cancer cells can thrive. Okay, wow. Right? Your immune system is really... What's keeping you tumor free, mm-hmm. right? That's what's keeping you cancer free because we all have cancer cells in our bodies every day. Like cancer cells, cells mutate for a variety of reasons, become precancerous and even cancerous. But your immune system, there are specific immune cells that are that their only function really is to identify and eliminate cancer cells, to kill them or to give them this sort of tap on the shoulder that tells them to commit suicide. Gotcha. Gotcha. So a strong immune system is, is really key, right? But there's so many factors in our life, diet, lifestyle, and environment that can degrade, suppress, and um, erode your immune function. So one, one question for you, and I can't remember if I read this in your book or if, or if it just popped in my brain, but uh, uh, an example, and this is all conjecture, right? I, I'm not saying that this happened, but Steve Jobs as an example. You know, he, he passed away of, was it colon cancer too? Pancreatic. Pancreatic cancer. And he passed away of that in his early 60s, I think, late 50s, around that age period. Um, high stress for a decade, two, two decades before. Who knows what he ate and things like that. But that's one of the first things that pops up in my mind is going, man, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if he was able to adjust some of those environmental factors. And who knows, maybe he wouldn't have been able to achieve what he achieved then. But I wonder if we'd have guys like Steve Jobs or some other people. If Steve they- Jobs' story is a great one. I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought it up because, you know, he was actually a vegetarian. Uh, mm-hmm. was vegan for, for um, a good part of his life. And, um, you know, ha- made a lot of good choices in that department. Mm-hmm. Okay? But, uh, and, and people often like to say, uh, well, if alternative therapies worked, then Steve Jobs wouldn't have died. Gotcha. Right. Uh, but, but here's the truth about Steve Jobs. One is he lived for a very long time with cancer, mm. a very, very long time. And it's likely that his uh, diet and lifestyle choices uh, prolonged his life. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Second thing is we don't know exactly what he did, right? Yep. And the term alternative therapies can mean anything. It can mean drinking your own urine, yep. right? So we don't know what he tried, what he didn't try. Like nobody knows really what he was doing to try mm. to get well. And he did his, his health didn't really uh, take a nosedive until he had the Whipple surgery. 
Gotcha. And which is a just crazy, crazy pancreatic surgery where they just take all your organs out of your body and like reroute things. It's pretty nuts. So anyway, um, but uh, you know, the, the thing is if Steve Jobs is proof that alternative therapies don't work, uh, then the 580,000 people that die of cancer every year mm-hmm. after conventional treatment, that's certainly proof that that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and it's um, the another, another reason you, I'm glad you brought that up is because, you know, Steve Jobs is an entrepreneur. He's one of the most famous entrepreneurs in the world, right? One of the, one of the most well-respected, you know, lo- beloved entrepreneurs for, for his, you know, innovations, the, the iPhone. I'm using an Apple computer right now and I have an yes. iPhone, you know? <laughs> um, but as much as, you know, I think entrepreneurs admire Steve Jobs, right? I don't think you could find a single one who would trade places with them. No, no. Right? Yep. So there's a bigger lesson here, right? No amount of money is worth dying mm, for, yeah. right? No 100%. amount of success, money, adoration, it's not worth dying for. And what we do know about Steve Jobs is that he had, yes, very high levels of stress for decades, right? Since the 70s, I mean, 40 years of it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but he was a very angry guy. Yeah. He yep. wasn't a happy guy. Like you can read his biography. I, you know, uh, there's so much stuff written about him from people that knew him closely. Mm. And he was a kind of a terrible guy on a personal level. Yeah. Very that's that's what I've read too. Yeah. Yeah. Angry, mean, very difficult, very hard to be around. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, when you're carrying toxic emotions like that, high stress, anger, competitiveness, jealousy, envy, like, you know, all this stuff that causes immunosuppression, right? That is stress, gotcha. mm. right? All negativity produces stress in your mind, your emotions, and in your body. Mm. Your body suffers from stress over a long period of time. So um, it's no, it's not a surprise to me that he got cancer because of, because of his temperament. Gotcha. And so, you know, I I love talking about this because I'm going to talk about some very specific things that your audience can do to reduce their risk of cancer and to improve their survival if they have it right now. Um, But stress is so important that you can do everything else right. And if you don't address the stress in your life, Mm. it can outweigh everything else, right? It can outweigh everything else. So, So practically speaking, um, what I did was I adopted a raw food diet overnight. So I read this book. I was like, this is it. I answered a prayer. This is what I'm doing. I went out and bought a juicer. I was like, raw, raw, organic, vegan diet, like go. So did, did you go the carrot juice thing every day or did you mix yes, it up? Yes, yeah. I, cool. I For the first, uh, I don't know, several weeks, months, it was only carrot juice all day. Huh. I did juice fasting, um, was eating tons of fruits and vegetables. And, uh, and, and I love this idea of, of going back to a very simple diet of food from the earth only, mm-hmm. you know, you look at what we're eating right now. We're eating all this man-made processed food, we're eating way too much meat and dairy yep. and not enough fruits and vegetables. In mm-hmm. fact, the average American eats one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day. That was me. Yep. Uh, real estate investors, you know, you're on the run. Like my life as a real estate investor is as soon as my eyes are open, like my feet are all, you know, I'm out of bed, throwing some clothes on, out the door, 
you know, like I got a huge to-do list. I got, you know, like I got to check on jobs. I got to go, you know, look at this, look at these other properties that, you know, just like you're going 90 miles an hour. Oh yeah. And, and you're always eating on the run. I was, I was eating for energy, which is okay. But you know, you're, you're fast food, junk food, Dr. Peppers, you know, I was every, if I had breakfast, it was something terrible, like a microwave sausage biscuit or something. Right. Jimmy Dean in there. Yeah. Yeah. A muffin or like some kind of stupid protein bar or whatever, like Mm -hmm. out the door as fast as I could. Uh, and then lunch was always fast food, supersize me like fast food meal. And then dinner would might be more fast food or just like my wife might have made something that resembled a healthy dinner, like snares a chicken breast and like a little side salad and some mm. green beans or something. Right. Yeah. And, or it was like microwave lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So, so that's the way I was eating, you know, as, as a young person. And of course, high school and college was all junk food too. Now, most people, they don't get cancer that fast. Mm. And I actually did have uh, what what we think was, you know, genetic predisposition to get cancer as a young adult. Mm. Uh, Mm. But the thing about genes is genes don't determine your fate. Your choices determine your fate. And we know there's a branch of science called epigenetics. Okay. And epigenetics is the study of gene expression. What that means is your genes all have switches, Mm -hmm. right? They have switches on and off, right? Mm -hmm. On, the gene expresses itself. If it's off, it doesn't. And so um, your diet and lifestyle and environmental factors flip genes on and off, Mm. okay? Mm. So based on poor choices, you can flip on cancer-promoting genes. Okay. Healthy choices flip them off. Gotcha. And, and flip on cancer protective genes, anti-cancer genes in the body. So again, even though genetics are a small part, you can still control and regulate and prevent those genes from expressing based on the way you live your life. And stress also, right? Flips those genes on and off. Yeah. Okay. So so I, I go nuts. I'm like, I'm doing this all the way hardcore. And in some ways it was kind of easy for me. And I think a lot of your audience will relate to this because as, as an entrepreneur, I'd always been sort of gone my own way in life. I was an only child. Like I grew up playing in bands. I went to college, but then I was like, I want to, you know, I don't want to go the traditional path. I don't want to work for somebody else. Like, you know, just everything I did was sort of like, just like, I want to make my own way in the world. I don't want to just follow the crowd, you know? And so I was wired that way from a, as a just very early young guy. And I never really fit in, in in school and only had, you know, just a couple friends here and there at school. Yeah. I went to a small school anyway, but uh, my friend's base grew throughout high school. But the point is like, I just looked around at all the other kids and was like, I don't know. I don't want to be like them, you know? Like, I don't like the same things they like. And so when, when I made this decision to, to walk away from chemotherapy, it was sort of the, it was the same kind of thing. I'm like, well, I'm comfortable doing my own thing, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So like, it's really just kind of par for the course for me. It's like, well, yeah. Chris is going to do what Chris wants to do. <laughs> you can't but, stop him. Yeah. And, but I had a lot of friends and family members pressuring me, right. And saying, you've got to, you can't do this. This is a mistake. You've got to do chemotherapy. It's don't you think if there was something better, they would know about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know somebody that tried alternative therapies and they died. Mm-hmm. And like, so all the people around me who love me 
are without realizing it, injecting all of this fear and anxiety yeah. into my life. And, and that now, negativity, you, you talked yeah. about the negativity earlier, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, you know, so negative emotions is the umbrella, right? Stress mm-hmm. and negative emotions is the umbrella that encompasses, you know, fear, envy, worry, jealousy, rage, bitterness, resentment, like it's mm-hmm. all under that umbrella. And so now things start to get really emotionally difficult. I was already dealing with enough fear of the cancer thing, but now it's like people, you know, people around me don't understand. They think I'm a fool. They think I'm being stubborn. They're telling me I'm wrong. Like, like this, this is not good. You know, this is not a good place to be in life. And so I reluctantly agreed to go see the oncologist and the appointment just went horribly. And I, I detail it in the book, but he treated, he, he treated my wife and I badly, talked down to us, told me I had a 60% chance of living five years with treatment, right? Which is like, that's like barely better than a coin toss. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, told me if I didn't do chemotherapy, I was insane. Those are his exact words. So how, how did you deal with the mindset side of it? Because, um, yeah. I mean, as entrepreneurs, I think, we are, like you said, we're wired a little bit differently. Uh, we're wired to kind of tackle problems and maybe think on the positive side of things. And especially in the real estate side of things, like mindset, I think is something that's more common when you're an entrepreneur than people who aren't. But how do you deal with that before you circle back and talk about the next words with the oncologist? Well, real estate, you know, I've been in it for two years, but it taught, it already taught me so much about myself. And one of the things that it taught me was how to be a creative problem solver. Okay you know, and because you're always, you know, when you're renovating a house or whatever, or even if you're trying to put a deal together, right, there's always, there's always like obstacles, right, and surprises, like surprise problems. And so like, you have to just like devote mental energy to like, okay, like, what do we do? Like, how do we fix this? Right? How do we fix this house, like with this weird problem or whatever? And so I'd gotten pretty good at it. And especially thinking about how can I fix this in a way that doesn't cost me, you know, thousands of dollars, right? Like there's gotta be a workaround here. So I'd, you know, I sort of cultivated that type of thinking already. And I, so I had some confidence there, but also, you know, it was just mostly, mostly pure instincts, intuition and faith that was driving me. Cause I was just like, I know what I need to do and I'm doing it, right? I know I need to do this. There's no harm in this. What they're offering me has a lot of potential harm and also Mm -hmm. no guarantees that it's going to even work. And so I felt more comfortable taking my life into my own hands, Mm -hmm. living on my terms and maybe dying on my terms than to put all my faith, hope, and trust into a system that, uh, is not really designed to benefit patients, right? It's designed to extract as much money as possible from patients. And, you know, every, every cancer patient is worth uh, over 300000 in revenue to the mm-hmm. cancer industry from surgery, radiation, chemo, reconstructive surgery, nipple tattoos, wigs, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, all this stuff. And so uh, there's sort of, you know, everybody in the cancer industry, they're not bad people, they're good people, just like everybody else. But, you know, they, they're well meaning, they hope for the best, but they're, they're the doctors and nurses, they're trapped in a system that yep. pays them really well, despite the results. Mm-hmm. 
right? It doesn't yep. matter what the, the patient's results are, live or die, they're still getting paid, yep. right? So like you and I, we're more wired toward like compensation-based pay. I mean, I mean, performance-based compensation. Yeah, you got to get results, yeah. Yeah, you do a good job and you make money because you did a good job. Like, you know, yep. you did a crappy rehab and, you know, and then you're not going to get a good price for your house and you, you might lose money. Yep. Yeah, angry, mean, very difficult, very hard to be around. Mm -hmm. And... The, you know, when you're carrying toxic emotions like that, high stress, anger, competitiveness, jealousy, envy, like, you know, all this stuff that causes immunosuppression, right? That is gotcha. stress, hmm. right? All negativity produces stress in your mind, your emotions, and in your body. Hmm. Your body suffers from stress over a long period of time. So um, it's no, it's not a surprise to me that he got cancer because of, because of his temperament. Yep. Right. Gotcha. And so, you know, I, I love talking about this because and I'm going to talk about some very specific things that your audience can do Sweet. to reduce their risk of cancer and to improve their survival if they have it right now. Um, but stress is so important that you can do everything else right. And if you don't address the stress in your life, mm. it can outweigh everything else, right? It can I, outweigh I can everything else. So, yep. So practically speaking, um, what I did was I adopted a raw food diet overnight. So I read this book. I was like, this is it. I answered a prayer. This is what I'm doing. I went out and bought a juicer. I was like, raw, raw, organic, vegan diet, like go. So did, did you go the carrot juice thing every day or did you mix yes, it up? Yes, yeah. yes. Cool. For the first, uh, I don't know, several weeks, months, it was only carrot juice all day. Huh. I did juice fasting, um, was eating tons of fruits and vegetables. And, uh, and, and I love this idea of, of going back to a very simple diet of food from the earth only, mm -hmm. you know, you look at what we're eating right now. We're eating all this man-made processed food, we're eating way too much meat and dairy yep. and not enough fruits and vegetables. In mm -hmm. fact, the average American eats one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day. That was me. Yep. Uh, real estate investors, you know, you're on the run. Like my life as a real estate investor is as soon as my eyes are open, like my feet are all, you know, I'm out of bed, throwing some clothes on out the door, you know, like I got a huge to-do list. I got, you know, like I got to check on jobs. I got to go, you know, look at this, look at these other properties, you know, just like you're going 90 miles an hour. Oh yeah. And, and you're always eating on the run. I was, I was eating for energy, which is okay. But you know, you're, you're fast food, junk food, Dr. Peppers, you know, I was every, if I had breakfast, it was, something terrible like a microwave sausage biscuit or something right like <laughs> well, jimmy muffin. dean in there yeah yeah a muffin or like some kind of stupid <clears throat> protein bar or whatever like mm -hmm. out the door as fast as i could uh and then lunch was always fast food supersize me like fast food meal and then dinner might be more fast food or just like my wife might have made something that resembled a healthy dinner, like here's a chicken breast and like a little side salad and some mm. green beans or something, right? Yeah. And or it was like microwave lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's why I was eating, you know, as as a young person, and of course, high school and college was all junk food too. Now, most people they don't get cancer that fast, mm. right? and I actually did have uh, what what we think was you know genetic predisposition. Yep. to get cancer as a young adult. Hmm. Uh, hmm. But the thing about genes is genes don't determine your fate. 
your choices determine your fate. And we know there's a branch of science called epigenetics. Okay. And epigenetics is the study of gene expression. What that means is your genes all have switches, mm -hmm. right? They have switches on and off, right? Mm -hmm. On, the gene expresses itself. It's, if it's off, it doesn't. And yep. so um, your diet and lifestyle and environmental factors flip genes on and off, mm. okay? Mm. So based on poor choices, you can flip on cancer-promoting genes. Okay. Healthy okay. choices flip them off. Gotcha. And, and flip on cancer-protective genes, anti-cancer genes in the body. So again, even though genetics are a small part, you can still control and regulate and prevent those genes from expressing based on the way you live your life. And stress also, right? Flips those genes on and off. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I go nuts. I'm like, I'm doing this all the way hardcore. And in some ways it was kind of easy for me. And I think a lot of your audience will relate to this because as, as an entrepreneur, I'd always been sort of gone my own way in life. I was an only child. Like I grew up playing in bands. I went to college, but then I was like, I want to, you know, I don't want to go the traditional path. I don't want to work for somebody else. Like, you know, just everything I did was sort of like, just like, I want to make my own way in the world. I don't want to just follow the crowd, you know? And so I was wired that way from a, as a just very early young guy. And I never really fit in, in in school and only had, you know, just a couple friends here and there at school. Yeah. I went to a small school anyway, but uh, my friend's base grew throughout high school. But the point is like, I just looked around at all the other kids and was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be like them. You know, like, I don't like the same things they like. And so when, when I made this decision to, to walk away from chemotherapy, it was sort of the, it was the same kind of thing. I'm like, well, I'm comfortable doing my own thing, hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So like, it's really just kind of par for the course for me. It's like, well, yeah. Chris is going to do what Chris wants to do. <laughs> You can't but, stop them. Yeah. And, but I had a lot of friends and family members pressuring me, right? And saying, you got to, you can't do this. This is a mistake. You've got to do chemotherapy. It's, don't you think if there was something better, they would know about it? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I know somebody that tried alternative therapies and they died. Mm -hmm. And like, so all the people around me who love me are without realizing it, injecting all of this fear and anxiety. Yeah into my life. And, and that now, negativity, you, you talked yeah. about the negativity earlier, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And you know, so negative emotions is the umbrella, right? Stress mm -hmm. and negative emotions is the umbrella that encompasses, you know, fear, envy, worry, jealousy, rage, bitterness, resentment, like it's mm -hmm. all under that umbrella. And so now things start to get really emotionally difficult. I was already dealing with enough fear of the cancer thing, but now it's like people, you know, people around me don't understand. They think I'm a fool. They think I'm being stubborn. They're telling me I'm wrong. Like, like this, this is not good. You know, this is not a good place to be in life. And so I reluctantly agreed to go see the oncologist and the appointment just went horribly. And I, I detail it in the book, but he treated, he, he treated my wife and I badly talked down to us, told me I had a 60% chance of living five years with treatment. Right. Which is like, that's like barely better than a coin toss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, told me if I didn't do chemotherapy, I was insane. Those are his exact words. So how, how did you deal with the mindset side of it? Because, um, yeah. I mean, as entrepreneurs, I think 
we are, like you said, we're wired a little bit differently. Uh, we're wired to kind of tackle problems and maybe think on the positive side of things. And especially in the real estate side of things, like mindset, I think is something that's more common when you're an entrepreneur than people who aren't. But how do you deal with that before you circle back and talk about the next words with the oncologist? Well, real estate, you know, I've been in it for two years, but it taught, it already taught me so much about myself. And one mm. of the things that it taught me was how to be a creative problem solver. Okay. You know, and because you're always, you know, when you're renovating a house or whatever, or even if you're trying to put a deal together, right? There's always, there's always like obstacles, right? And surprises, and like surprise problems. And so like, you have to just like devote mental energy to like, okay, like, what do we do? Like, how do we fix this? Right? How do we fix this house? Like with this weird problem or whatever. And so I'd gotten pretty good at it. And especially thinking about how can I fix this in a way that doesn't cost me, you know, thousands of dollars, right? Like there's gotta be a workaround here. So I'd, you know, I'd sort of cultivated that type of thinking already. And I, so I had some confidence there, but also, you know, it was just mostly, mostly, pure instincts, intuition, and faith that was driving me. Because I was just like, I know what I need to do, and I'm doing it, right? Yep. I know I need to do this. There's no harm in this. What they're offering me has a lot of potential harm and also mm -hmm. no guarantees yep. that it's going to even work. And so I felt more comfortable taking my life into my own hands, mm. right? and living on my terms, and maybe dying on my terms, yep. than to put all my faith, hope, and trust into a system that uh, is not really designed to benefit patients, right? It's designed to extract as much money as possible from patients. And, you know, every, every cancer patient is worth uh, over 300000 in revenue to the mm -hmm. cancer industry from surgery, radiation, chemo, reconstructive surgery, nipple tattoos, wigs, you know, I mean, all this stuff. And so uh, there's sort of, you know, everybody in the cancer industry, they're not bad people, they're good people, just like everybody else. But, you know, they, they're well meaning, they hope for the best, but they're, they're the doctors and nurses, they're trapped in a system that yep. pays them really well, despite the results, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't yep. matter what the, the patient's results are, live or die, they're still getting paid, yep. right? So like you and I, we're more wired toward like compensation-based pay. I mean, I mean, performance-based compensation. Yeah, you got to get results, yeah. Yeah, you do a good job and you make money because you did a good job. Like, you know, yep. if you did a crappy rehab and, you know, and then you're not going to get a good price for your house and you, you might lose money. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> anyway, like this appointment went badly, you know, and, but he used fear to manipulate me and convince me to, to do chemo. Mm. And so I made an appointment to get a port put in, in a few weeks, uh, a few weeks after that, because the fear was, you know, fear is the biggest motivator of all in life, oh, yeah. especially fear of death. Mm. So it's like, you know, that's the best sales pitch in the world. And that, you know, these guys from a sales perspective, they've got like probably like a 99% close rate. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Do what I say, or you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I had even more fear and anxiety after leaving that meeting. And I was crushed, man. My, my faith was crushed. My, I was full of fear and doubt. And like, I don't know what I was going to do. And so I just got back on my knees, man. And I was just like, God, 
help, like help me. I, I thought I asked for something, something came. I thought that was the answer. Now I'm confused. Everyone says it's not. And that's a really tough spot, man. But I had a few weeks to, to, to get my head right. And I just kept, you know, fired up the juicer, just kept, kept going, you know, eating tons of fruits and vegetables every day, running the juicer, like, you know, just kind of just focused on health and healing. And when the day came to go get the port put in, I, I woke up that morning and I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Like yeah. maybe later, right? Maybe later, but this is, this is not what I want to do right now. Mm. Like it's my life, right? And I don't want to do it. Yep. And that, that's such an important message for cancer patients. And for, I guess for a lot of people, you know, it's like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do in life, right? Exactly. Especially when we're talking about major decisions that could potentially kill you. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, lots yep. of people die on the operating table. They die as a result of uh, pharmaceuticals of all types. Like there's real risks oh, yeah. with all yep. types of drugs. So, so I was just like, no. You know, it's on the back burner. I, I would rather overdose on nutrition and see what happens. And if I can't get well this way, you know, by changing my life and empowering my body to heal, then okay. Then we'll have a conversation about um, drug therapies or whatever. So I found in that process, in the beginning, I was very alone. I was like, you know, everybody thought I was nuts, but I gradually built a support system. I found a naturopathic doctor who was like, you know, a holistic guy. I found an integrative oncologist who supported me. And so I built this little team of support. uh, And I never went back to the doctor who said I was insane. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I just created a system that I could reproduce every single day. Like you're a systems guy, your audience understands the value of systems. Like if you're an entrepreneur without systems, you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Like Mm -hmm. your life is chaos. And, uh, and I'm prone to chaos, like I'm prone to flying by the seat of my pants. But I knew like when my when it really mattered, like my life is at stake here. And if I die, I'm going to die a fool yep. to everyone around me. Like, and if I die, my parents and my wife are going to stand at my graveside, right? And lower me into the ground. I'm an only child, mm-hmm. right? And just the thought of my parents and my wife putting me in the ground was so painful to me. I I couldn't bear it. You know, Mm. I was like, I have to live. I have to live for these three people. (laughs) And I love it. That's important. I mean, you know, finding your reason to live is so Mm -hmm. important when you're facing cancer in any time. Right. Like, I mean, even, even when you're healthy, that's one thing that I was watching this documentary years ago of people that were um, um, people that were really in advanced age late nineties, early hundreds, things like that. And they're asking everybody um, what made them live so long. The funny thing is there was all these different answers. One guy over in England, like he smokes and drink, he doesn't drink water, just drinks beer. And he's like 102, but he runs marathons and he works, he works still. He gets up and he washes these uh, cars at a, at a, at a plumbing company. And this other person, you know, it says it's God. This other person says I'm an atheist. Like at, at the end of the day, all these people really old. The one thing that they all had in common was they all got up and had had some reason to live. They had a reason that drove them during the day, and it wasn't just flipping on the TV 
or droning away throughout the day. And that's so powerful, yeah. man, which amplifies when you're in a life or death situation, I'm sure. Dude, it is so powerful. You cannot put a value on it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's somebody close to me right now who is, his health is declining rapidly and mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a reason to live. And mm-hmm. it's, but he's in his eighties, you know, and, but it's, it's sad, you know, it's like, ah, you know, but you can just tell like he's kind of done with life and he's just, he's waiting to die literally. Mm-hmm. And he, he will even tell you that's what he's doing. Oh man. Um, and so, but I had to dig, you know, I had to just get very, I had to get clarity, like clear. What, what am I doing here? What do I want to do with my life? I started thinking about the future, right? Who am I, who do I need to live for? Right. What, what are my reasons to live? And I'm, as I'm thinking about these things, uh, I realized like, I want to be a dad. Yep. Like I want to have a family. Like, I don't know. I just like, I'm 26. I'm about, you know, I'm turning 27 in this coming year, which was 2004 mm-hmm. and spoiler alert, I didn't die. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, I mean, I just thought, I don't know how much time I have left. And I just thought, well, it would just be, you know, so great to have a, a child or whatever, just to f- know that feeling. And um, my wife and I started talking about it. And, and I asked her what she thought. And she, you know, made what I think is one of the most courageous decisions of anybody I know. And she mm-hmm. said, yes. She said, yes, I, I will start a family with you. That's cool. Not knowing wow. if I would be around to wow. help raise this baby. Mm. And like, man, like it still gets me a little misty. Oh, dude. Just, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Telling the story. Uh, mm. And she loved me that much. You know, she just loved me that much. Mm-hmm. So um, so we started trying to, to get pregnant and she got pregnant right away. <laughs> so it was like, there's some meaning and message in that. Yeah, too, it's like, you know, that, know, that wasn't an accident. That's for no. sure. It's like, whoa, okay. Like, think something's happening here. Like, you're, yep. my life's about to change again in another way. Uh, so 13 months after my diagnosis, I was back in the hospital. Hmm. Um, but this time, I was holding a little baby girl. Wow. In my arms. Wow. And that was reason number four to live, right? Mom, dad, yep. my wife, Micah, and then now this little baby girl who we named Marin. Oh man. And, and so I, you know, again, you can't put a value on, uh, on having a reason to live and planning for the future and being, you know, deciding to live. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I made a decision. Someone asked me and it was the scariest question I've ever been asked was, do you really want to live? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, what do you mean? Like, do I, maybe I don't. Like, what is that? Do I have a death wish? Is that why I'm sick? You know, have I been sabotaging my, my life and my health subliminally right through? And, and I really was a very insecure, uh, you know, chip on my shoulder, prideful, arrogant, um, negative, critical, you know, bitter. I was just a mess. You know, I was a mess, even though if you met me, you, you know, you might not think those things, but you just had all this stuff swirling in my head all the time. Yeah. yeah. And even as a Christian, as a believer, like I'm trying to, to, to do good and to be a good guy and be a good person, but still struggling with lots of stuff that was stupid, just stupid thoughts and emotions. And so 
Um, and I just realized, yeah. And, and it was really, most of it was just rooted in deep insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, why did I go into real estate? Why did I do a lot of things I, I did? And I think it was really just because I had something to prove. Like I was, mm-hmm. I just wanted to prove to the world that I was, that I was great. You yep. know, it's, you know, that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's common, man. I mean, that's, that's crazy common, especially in the entrepreneur world where there's, you go to masterminds, right? And you go to masterminds and, and there's all these opportunities to compare and yeah. insecure, insecurity can kind of creep in there and oh yeah, it's dangerous. Um, and and, and it, I think if we flip that mental model from insecurity and what am I not doing to going in there and going, man, look at all these amazing people doing these amazing things, including me. Yeah. Um, and look at the opportunities in this world. It's definitely a shift that, that we have to consciously make sometimes. And, and I know I have. I was, yeah, I really had a lot of envy, envy and jealousy in my life, mm-hmm. you know, which is rooted in insecurity and had a hard time being happy for anyone else's success, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and would just be jealous of them and, and resentful toward people that were successful or, you know, even though I was, yep. you know, and yep. had, and so what, what I learned to do, uh, cancer taught me gratitude. Yep. It taught me what gratitude really is because mm-hmm. in the middle of being basically having a struggling real estate business have, and having cancer, living in a tiny little house, right? And, ha- they, you know, I was paycheck to paycheck, even though I wasn't getting a paycheck, you know what I mean? But yep. I didn't have any significant uh, financial, like, I didn't have any significant money, okay? Yeah. Like, everything I made was going right back into the business. There was nothing extra. Mm. Didn't have nice cars, didn't have a nice house. Like, you know, we we're just barely keeping, staying afloat. And in the middle of all that, I I learned how to be grateful. And I learned how to just every day, thank God for my life and for my health and for my wife and for this little baby on the way. And I just shifted my focus, right? Because we all have a choice in every situation in life. We all, we all have a choice. We can focus on the negative or on the positive. Every situation has both. It's the law of polarity. You've heard it. Uh, And so I just realized like, wait a minute, I can catch myself thinking negatively and I can stop mm-hmm. and I can say, okay, how can I look at, where's the positive here? Where's the silver lining in this situation? And so instead of focusing on, on all my problems and all the things that I didn't have that I thought I deserved or, you know, wished I had or whatever that other people had, instead of focusing on that, I started focusing on everything that I did have. Dude, I, I, I love that, man. I, I love it. I love it. I've got a really good friend and a mentor, Seth, uh, Seth Bueckley. He has an office here in my building and he wrote a book called Ambition about a year ago. Uh, highly successful entrepreneur, sold his first company for 18 million when he was 27, lost it all, and then built another one that was even bigger and sold that a couple of years ago. And in that book, the key for him, uh, and he's a, a really strong Christian, is gratitude. And he calls, uh, he calls uh, his daily ritual gratitude adjustment. And he goes through a few questions in the shower every day. And he's like, that one thing that we all already know about, right? It's like this, this thing can change, change our lives. I'm sure it had some sort of a big impact in your huge healing too. Man. Huge impact. And it's a practice. Like you have mm-hmm. to catch your thoughts, right? Stop and think through like, you know, what do I have to be thankful for today? Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to really explode gratitude in your life is to start comparing yourself to people who have less than you. Ah, uh, gotcha. Right? Okay. Instead of the people who have more. Yeah. Because guess what? Right now, 
there are people in the hospital dying of cancer mm. right mm -hmm. now that mm. would trade everything to trade places with you. Oh man, dude, that's, right? yeah. Right, every yeah. day that you're not burying someone you love is a great freaking day. Oh man, dude. Right? Every day you're not sitting in a prison cell for a crime you didn't commit is a great freaking day. <laughs> You know, and I, yeah. I can go, I do this. I mean, I, I think about this all the time. Oh, man. You know, I just go on and on about like, every day I'm not scavenging in a, in a garbage dump for food. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Like, we just have no idea how blessed we are and how spoiled we are. But when you take a step back and look at the world, look at the poverty and the suffering in the world, you just realize, man, I am ashamed of myself mm. for ever complaining. Yeah. Right. I'm ashamed yeah. of myself for complaining. It's just, what is wrong with me? But, but, you know, then you just realize, okay, I, I know what's wrong. <laughs> I'm <laughs> blessed and I'm spoiled. I've taken so much for granted mm. and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to do my best to not do that anymore. Yes. I still complain sometimes and whatever, but I always catch myself and I know like if I'm complaining, it's usually because I've, there's something funny in a complaint, <laughs> you know, some kind of joke I can make in a Oh complaint. yeah. But, but, but this, this is such powerful stuff, man. Yeah. Mindset stuff is so huge. So I had that determination. I changed my life. I created this simple system like every day that, that uh, to just nourish my body, exercise, diet, uh, attitude, lowering stress and forgiveness forgiving every person who had ever hurt me in life. And that was like the gratitude practice where I decided I got to get my mind right, my spirit right, my emotions right. And if you're carrying baggage, you know, emotional baggage, which is resentment toward people who've hurt you, mm -hmm. cheated you, lied to you. Hey, dude, we're talking real estate. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone that has been lied to, cheated, <laughs> stolen from, ripped off. Never, uh, man, never. Vandalized. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. More than me, except for other real estate investors <laughs> that have been doing it longer than me. Yeah. yeah. And so, it, in a, it, you know, the, the real estate business really can turn you. And I know guys that have been doing it way longer. And there's some angry, sour old guys, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's really corrupted them. And because they deal are dealing with some of the worst elements of humanity. Right. Yep. And so... I, I realized like, okay, I don't want to turn into that, you know? And so I got to be quick to forgive. Mm -hmm. And, and I also realized something like amazing is that, uh, and this has to do with faith too, is that every time someone lies to me, cheats me, steals from me, rips me off, whatever, like wrongs me. Anytime someone wrongs me, they're actually setting me up for blessing. Mm. Okay. They're, how, they're how so? How it's, so? it's a law. It's like a universal law, man. Yeah. Like they're setting me up for blessing. And there's so many examples in life. Well, because, you know, God works all things for the good of those who love him. Mm -hmm. And he works all things for your good. And if you just exercise a, just the tiniest little bit of faith in that mm -hmm. idea, which mm -hmm. I did uh, in the very beginning of my cancer diagnosis, I was like, okay, I'm just going to believe that you're going to work this for my good. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to choose to believe this. That's what faith is. You just choose yep. to believe it. Yep. And, um, and the more I, the more I brought myself back to that belief system, the more I saw like amazing things happening in my life. And so now when something goes wrong, when someone cheats me or whatever happens, I just, I get, you know, uh, for a second, right. 
And then I just stop, I catch myself and I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Yeah. Right. Mm. You just set me up for blessing. God, I'm expecting it. I, I'm, I'm expecting a blessing coming and I'm, I forgive them and I'm, you know, letting it go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm good. And then I just go back to gratitude, right? I have so much to be thankful for. My gosh, my life is wonderful. And I'm not going to let this ruin my day. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's again, it just goes back to that, like, getting control of your thoughts, right? Yeah. And knowing where to when when you get knocked off course, knowing how to write yourself mm-hmm. uh, quickly before you just end up stewing and anger and and uh, and all those emotions that are that are not just mentally destructive they're physically destructive mm-hmm. so that's this kind of stuff i'm i'm doing you know that's yeah. the kind of stuff that's rolling around in my mind all the time i love it but there's a um you know there's such a great story the best example of this is there's a story in the bible there's a bunch of stories like this like but the story of joseph in the bible who you know his brothers sold him out mm-hmm. they sold him into slavery yep right? I mean, his own brothers sold him to be a slave and he was gone, right? Because they were jealous of him because he was his father's favorite. Mm -hmm. And he went through all these trials and, and, and adversities, but because his brothers wronged him in such a terrible way, what they don't, they didn't know. And he didn't know is they set him up on a life trajectory to become the second in command over Egypt. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's right. dude, that story. I was, I was reading, reading a book the other day that brought that story into it. And, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause you can only imagine what he was thinking during those years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's the worst thing. That, that, it's the worst thing that could happen to you being yeah. sold as a slave. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. like I, you know, I mean, just, it's mm-hmm. the worst thing I can think of is being someone's slave. Yeah. And, uh, and yet, you know, God worked it for his good. It was part of the life path. And, you know, so, so I, anyway, I just love that story so much. And it. and that was when I, when that, I don't know when I had the epiphany, I don't know, but I just did. And it was like, you know what, I just need to believe this instead of, oh, this is bad. And woe is me. Mm-hmm. Right? That Dude. So, um, and I, I want to drive people to your book again, and I've got your website pulled up chrisbeatcancer.com and uh, yep. everyone head over there, chrisbeatcancer.com grab the book. Uh, I mean, it's a national bestseller when we were over there and, and, uh, and Boise, uh, you're crushing yeah. lots and lots of books and you're yeah. the legit way, right? Like you're not legit. You're not a lot of other people do. And yeah, uh, I didn't buy a bunch of copies of my book or pay <laughs> people to like, you know, get me on bestseller lists. Like yeah. people bought the book. A lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of people, people made the wall street journal publishers weekly USA today, bestseller list. The mm-hmm. New York times completely snubbed me. Uh, but they're <laughs> notorious for doing that and they're they're very snobby and they're setting you up for a blessing man they're setting yeah you up it's for exactly man it's exactly right and i was disappointed i was actually disappointed yeah. because i outsold six of the top 10 books on the new york times bestseller list yeah. when my book came out i outsold six of them and they just pretended like i didn't exist and yeah. that did hurt man that rejection hurt that's like training mm-hmm. for the olympics you get there and then they disqualify you for something that you didn't even yeah. do that's like, it's like Ah, like, man, but yeah, that, you know, better things are coming. And so it's just like, I had to, I had a couple days and I found this out when I was with you, Mm -hmm. Boise, that's when I found out they had like dissed me for the book. And dude, I was, I was was struggling with it. You know, I had a happy face on the outside, but inside, like I was really kind of like, 
like really <laughs> struggling. Like it was, it was kind of a crushing blow because I mm -hmm. had worked so hard to get there and did everything right. And like, this is going to be New York Times bestseller. And we, we like got the sales numbers and it was awesome. And then no, Mm. But anyway, yeah, I just decided, you know what, something's better is coming. I don't know what, and I'm just going to not, you know, I forgive them if they did it for <laughs> nefarious reasons, which can't be any other reason. Like, yeah, exactly. But uh, they're just like, we just don't like this guy. No, we're not going to, we're just going to ignore him. But, um, but anyway, yeah, the book's doing great. I'm so happy about it. And, um, but I, as I promised, I want to make sure I like I leave your audience with some very practical stuff. Perfect. The number one thing that you can do practically to prevent and help your body heal cancer is eating 10 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. Mm -hmm. you don't, it doesn't have to be raw. Yep. And I, I still lead a plant-based diet. I'm not all raw anymore. I, I, you know, my diet went through different phases, but fruits and vegetables are amazing for your body. Like they give you so many anti-cancer nutrients that you don't get from meat and dairy. You don't get them from McDonald's. Like you don't get them from Dr. Peppers or Starbucks. Right. And, um, eating 10 servings of fruits and vegetables is actually pretty easy because a serving is only half a cup. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one, a plate full of vegetables is like three or four servings. Mm -hmm. So if your breakfast, lunch, and dinner is primarily plant-based, so like oatmeal for breakfast, fruit smoothie for lunch, big plate of veggies for dinner or giant salad or whatever, you've done it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's basically the way I eat every day. I eat simple, you know, food from the earth every day. Uh, organic is, is very important because we know that pesticides cause cancer. Yep. And so the more organic food in your diet, the better. And I was 100% organic and I'm pretty close to 100% organic now. When I travel, it's a little tricky. Yeah. And so I make exceptions, but, uh, but that's huge. So 10 servings a day. The second thing is you need to exercise 30 to 60 minutes every day. Cool. This is simple stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the great thing about health and nutrition and truth is truth is simple. Yep. Right. It's yep. just like, if you're not doing it, you're not, you're not helping yourself. So 30 to 60 minutes a day of sweaty exercise. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to do, doesn't matter. If you're moving, sweating, your heart's pumping, you're huffing and puffing, you're doing it right. Yeah, dude, that's, that, that's it. It's the foundations. Like what you're talking about here isn't, isn't magic bullets. It's go back to actually using our bodies and fueling them the way that they're intended to be, be used and fueled. You know? Yep, yep. And it's just creating simple routines every day. Mm -hmm right? Getting enough water. If you're not getting enough water, when are you going to drink your water? I drink 20 ounces of water first thing when I wake up. I'm just go, go, go. like, because I'm, I'm not that thirsty throughout the day. So if I don't mm -hmm. just force myself to get a bunch of water in right away, mm -hmm. I'll, I won't drink enough water. So, so, uh, so 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes of exercise, you have to do it, like, put it in the schedule, like put it in your calendar, in your iPhone, and it's just a non-negotiable, mm -hmm. right? I had to actually, the best thing I ever did for myself ex, uh, exercise-wise was I, I joined a CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. And the reason that was good for me is because it was expensive. And this <laughs> you was years show ago. Up. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, this was years ago. It was like maybe 2010 or 11. I was way past cancer, but I just struggled with keeping up, you know, going to the gym or keeping up steady exercise. And I had one of those gym memberships. It was like 20 bucks a month or something. Right. Yep. And so then, you know, this CrossFit thing, I was introduced to it. I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. I did, you know, some intro classes and they're like, yeah, it's 175 bucks a month. And I was yeah. like, I was like, man, like, Whoa, that's way more expensive <laughs> than I'm paying. You know? And I really had to think about it, but I knew I was like, if I put this money down 
I'm going to mm-hmm. show up. Yep. And yep. I did, it worked. Like I'm still doing it. It's been like seven years or whatever that mm-hmm. of, of doing that kind of stuff. And it, they whip you into shape in, in so many great ways. And I've, I'm in the best shape of my life, no doubt, because of, because of, you know, that type of training, but, but yeah, you know, sometimes you, you got to kind of bribe or, or not bribe. It's almost like blackmail yourself, mm-hmm. right. Into healthy habits. <laughs> so that's good. And then the third aspect, environmental, like it really, uh, or, or like the lifestyle choices, mm-hmm. one being sedentary mm-hmm. is terrible for you, right? We're both working at stand-up desks right now, aren't yep, we? We are. Yeah. We are. Being, being sedentary, sitting all day is terrible. It's the new smoking. Sitting mm-hmm. is the new smoking. Uh, cigarettes are the number one cause of cancer. The number two cause of cancer is sitting. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. It's not sitting. <laughs> I was going to say, man, where's the study on that? You're like, Whoa. No, but, it, it, but you know what it is, though? This is just as surprising. Most people haven't heard this. Mm-hmm. The second leading cause of cancer is obesity. Okay. Yeah. It's obesity. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, no one's born obese. Well, some people, some babies are born a little fat, but uh, obesity is largely caused by our dietary and lifestyle choices, right? Yeah. Eating high calorie foods and not getting exercise, not, mm-hmm. not moving, right? You eat more than you need and you don't burn it off. Your body's going to store it. That's yeah. all fat is, is stored energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's saving it up for the famine, for food scarcity time, which mm-hmm. never happens because we live in a rich nation. Yep. So uh, obesity is the second leading cause of cancer. There's 13 different cancers linked to obesity because mm-hmm. it puts your body in this inflammatory state that's also Im- immunosuppressed. Mm-hmm. It's causing physical stress on the rest of your body when you're carrying all this excess, excess body weight. So so exercise, like I'm just trying to hammer this, right? Exercise and movement are so important. Uh, and then alcohol and drug use, right? I mean, they contribute to disease, contribute to cancer, whether it's pharmaceutical drugs or illegal drugs. Um, I do enjoy beer, glass of wine and stuff occasionally, but um, you just have to be very careful because if you're, you know, basically, uh, if you drink every day, you, you're elevating your cancer risk. Yep. I mean, it's, the, the, the science is settled on it. Like if you drink daily, you're elevating your cancer risk. So mm-hmm. don't drink daily, right? A couple drinks a week, you're, you're in the safe zone. You're okay. You know, but um, you know, and then smoking cigarettes, cigars, all that stuff is bad too. So like, these are things anybody can do, but you have to like make up your mind that I don't want to get cancer. You know? yeah. And here's the scary statistic. You've heard it. One out of every two men will be diagnosed with a form of cancer in their life. Man, that's, One, that's scary. Yeah. One out of every two, one Mm. half of your audience, half of your team members. Right. Uh, And it's almost one out of every two women. It's between one out of every two and one out of every three. So it's kind of like, it's getting close to the man uh, statistic. And, but again, like we said at the very beginning, it's not genetics, right? It's not bad luck. Mm -hmm. It's our diet, lifestyle and environmental choices. And Mm. so if you're not serious about prevention, boy, you should be, yep. right? Because mm. it's like you're flipping a coin. Will it be me or won't? Will it? Will it not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got one coin toss. Bloop. Like, <laughs> what's it going to be? So, your choices determine your fate. Your choices affect your gene expression. Your choices can protect you and and uh, create a long, healthy life, or they can promote disease and a short, 
early death. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you said, you know, there's these old guys that live to be 100 and they smoke cigars and drink whiskey. And people love to bring that stuff up. And I'm like, that's great, right? That's terrific. But we know statistically, if you think that's going to be you, exactly, right, you are statistically not likely <laughs> to yeah, live you, to 100 smoking and drinking. You think you're going to hit the lottery where, you know, where for some reason that you're not, that's not going to harm you, you know, and yeah. it's, it's kind of scary to, to run in any of our lives that way, whether it's financial or health. And, and that's one thing I want people to really get out of this. And one of the main reasons I want to bring you on is like, number one, you've got the background a lot of our audience has, but also number two, it's, it's, it's about, so if, if anyone does have cancer, knows someone, I would love for you guys to go to crispycancer.com, grab the book, read it, um, and, and make your own choices and make your own convictions based on it. Cause we barely scratch the surface on what he goes into. Yeah. Um, and he, he, this has been his life for the last almost 15 years of diving into this. And, and you know, he, he's not still a full-time real estate investor. And oh, by the way, I'm going to hop on a podcast and talk about this stuff. It's, this is what he does full-time. This is what he does full-time is in that world of health and nutrition and, and helping and working with tons and tons and tons of people to help them heal naturally and get them back and get, get them back where they need to be. And then if you look at the other side of it is, you know, hopefully, hopefully you never get cancer, but what if you can adopt these practices? That's why I was reading it. I'm like, I really hope that I never get it. And this is going to help ensure uh, a better chance of not getting anything like that. But also I just feel better, dude. Like I feel better in the day to have more energy. And I'm able to make my bigger impact in the day-to-day and what I'm doing now by following these things that you talked about. And in there, you give a lot of protocols, you give a lot of types of foods or even, you know, turmeric. I think that's how you say, you talk about the different yeah. properties of that and, and how it can tackle, tackle this particular types of cancer. And um, I just really encourage everyone to go grab that. Like I said, not even from the, the fear side of it, oh, well, I hope I don't get this. It's let's adopt better practices, y'all. Because we all, we all walk around um, we all walk around our towns and we see how unhealthy people are. We, we talk to our friends or family members and they talk about how they're out of energy and out of this, but it's really a, it's all these things Kristen's talking about that if we adopt them, not only are we going to live better lives, more productive lives, more impactful lives, be happier, but we're also going to be massively, um, making our bodies healthier and reducing the chance of, of cancer or in Chris's case, healing cancer altogether. And that's just amazing. I love it. It's, man, yeah, and and it's kind of like, you know, the matrix analogy is sort of a tired analogy, but like when the light bulb goes off, like when you take the red pill or whatever it is, and you realize like, and you look around at all the people around you, your friends and family and loved ones, and they're all suffering with these maladies, right? Like I'm overweight, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, inflammatory diseases, arthritis, like it's the food. Mm, yep. It's the food. It's all the food. Like mm. it's crazy how much our diet is playing in our disease as a culture. And we don't realize it. And, and you know, I talk about this in the book. And uh, there are cultures all over the world with a fraction of the cancer rates of the US yep. and other industrialized nations. So US, Canada, Australia, the UK, like all the, the top, you know, westernized industrialized nations have the highest rates of most cancers. Mm. And the poor, what they used to call third world, now they call them developing countries, mm-hmm. uh, have some of the lowest rates of yeah. most cancers, right? Yeah. Because they don't eat a bunch of meat and dairy. They don't eat a bunch of processed food, fast food, and junk food, right? Their environments are relatively clean in terms of pollution and things. 
And most of them, because of their socioeconomic status, they're, they're doing physical labor, right? They're yep. working with their hands, they're getting fresh air and sunshine and natural forms of exercise, walking everywhere or riding a bicycle, mm. you know? And, uh, and all of those things produce health. You know, they yep. all work together. There's a recipe for disease, right? It's mm. not one thing, right? Yep. It's like, you can't bake a cake with flour only, right? Mm. There's a recipe for disease and most people are following it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there's also a recipe for health. And so, you know, it's not one thing. It's not one supplement. It's, you know, there's not one thing that makes you healthy. It's, it's all of these small decisions that you make on a daily basis mm-hmm. that add up to a big result, right? It's like the, I, we've been so conditioned. And I know you get this, entrepreneurs get it, marketers understand it, but like everybody wants like the hack, Right. What's the health hack? I want to biohack, right? How can I hack this? Like, how can I make some tiny change that produces some huge result, right? It's Mm -hmm. like the quick fix or the, you know, almost like a lottery mentality, right? And it's, there's another version of hacking where it's like, you're just like breaking down everything and you're, uh, and learning as much as you can about somebody else's business so you can emulate it. That's great. But this, uh, this short-term or shortcut mentality uh, is, is uh, it's, it's based, it's rooted in laziness is what it is, right? And so the last thing I want people to think is that I promote some kind of magic bullet or miracle cure lotion or potion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to transform their health. Like the only way to transform your health is to take massive action. Mm-hmm. Like entrepreneurs understand massive action produces massive results. Yep minimal action, minimal results, like it's your choice, yep. right? And leveraging your time and doing things like that, of course, are, are, are wise things to do in business and all that. But when it comes to your health, like there's no shortcuts. You can't pay somebody to work out for you, yep. right? You can't pay your personal assistant to eat healthy for you. You know, you could <laughs> pay her to prepare your meals though, yeah. right? Yeah. Things like that. You can, there's ways, there's efficiencies you can uh, exploit, but but at the end of the day, like, you know, we are the result of our choices, like I said in the mm-hmm. beginning. And like, and so I just want to encourage people, uh, like what I hope the book does for, for someone who doesn't have cancer is I hope it gets them excited, like about the results they can get yep. in their body. Like you said, like more energy, getting back to your healthy weight, f- just feeling good, mm-hmm. uh, eliminating just aches and pains and maladies that are caused from nutritional deficiencies or from foods that are just exacerbating problems in your body or whatever. Yep. And then down the road, hopefully never having a cancer diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's my goal. And so if for the prevention folks, for the people that have cancer, my goal is to help them heal and you know, help them yep. do everything they, they can do in their power to heal, whether they're doing conventional treatment or not. Like I want to empower them to change their life. And, mm-hmm. and so they have this epiphany that, I'm not a victim, <laughs> you know, it's not bad luck. I'm not a victim. There's a reason behind this. And I can, I have power to affect my future. Dude, I, 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 I would love to end it with this. And this is so powerful. y'all. I mean, I, I want you to go get the darn book. Okay. Get the darn book. And my whole get goal the was darn book. get the darn book. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's on my nightstand right now. And the reason I'm saying this is we barely had a chance to touch on the rest of this story, the story of, of how, 
the, the, the healing of his cancer unfolded, the different appointments where the, the, the cancer kept on shrinking and shrinking and going away and all, all the emotion and everything that attached to it. And then the exact plan of everything is all inside of that book. Okay. So he, he gives all in there, but uh, I've got a close friend, actually, uh, this guy I hired full-time yesterday. He's, he's starting as my content guy now, as far as my videographer podcast guy, he's going to be touching this podcast. And when he saw uh, your name on my schedule, he's like, no way. He's like that, that guy um, helped to heal my father-in-law here in Roseburg, Oregon. And, um, dude, and, it's amazing. and dude, it's, it's crazy. When he was telling me this, I was kind of having chills because I was going, I just met Chris and, and he's an amazing dude. And, and, and Brady's like that book is, is on my father-in-law's uh, counter right now. And they've, he's been uh, tuning into Chris's website for uh, uh, two, two, three years or something like that. And I remember seeing, um, seeing Tim when he was, when he was in the middle of, of everything. And I think he did have some conventional treatments, you know, but he was heavy every single day committed to this. And Brady said, man, he'd be doing um, push-ups every single day. Like anytime that he had a, a chance, he was out of energy and he was like, he was just in the depths of the cancer, but he'd always be moving. He'd always be juicing. He'd always be doing the types of things that you walked through in there. And they said that was basically like, they're, they're big believers, but that was like the Bible. And then this, this methodology helped him get through it. So I just want to throw some love to you. Dude, that's awesome. You're changing lives, man, uh, in a big Trying. way. And saving lives in some cases, inspiring people to, to adjust their lives. And that touched me close to home because I know Tim. I see him almost on a weekly basis. And and uh, he's here because of some of the choices he was able to make and, and uh, by God's grace as well. So I appreciate you, man. Appreciate all the work that you're doing. Thank Everyone you, go to chrisbeatcancer.com, get the book, check it out, or go to Amazon and grab it too. And man, I just appreciate your time on here and the energy you bring to this world. Uh, we need more people like you. Thanks, Trevor. Man, it's been fun. It just, just such a privilege and an honor to, to be able to, to talk to you and talk to your audience and share my story, dude. Thank you. I love it. Thank you very much, See man. Everybody soon. have an amazing rest of the week. Go check Chris out. We'll talk soon.